That should be good. Okay, and we're just doing audio? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. So the first thing you want to do when you're going to do tree work is you sort of want to pay attention to if a tree is calling you as you walk into the park or along the boulevard or, or wherever. And you can use any trees anywhere, by the way. There's, you, don't, you don't need to find someplace special or unique. It's just uh, any, any tree that, it's, that looks available and is calling to you and you're comfortable with. Then you want to come to the tree. And what you want to see is either the tree be straight up and down or slightly angled backwards. And that just makes it easier to rest against it. And what you're going to do first, um, when I teach... A year ago, I went on a trip to California. I stayed up in the Sierra Nevada mountains, right off the Pacific Crest Trail, at an outpost where hikers would come get their mail and drink a beer. While I was there, I met a guy who was hiking the whole trail barefoot, all 2,600 miles of it. I thought he was crazy. When I got back home to Minnesota, I saw an event on Facebook for a barefoot hike at Lebanon Hills, a park nearby. It wasn't the Pacific Crest Trail, so I figured I could probably do it. This is where I met David Nelson. He led us on a barefoot hike, inviting us to jump in the mud and climb trees hanging over the water as if we were kids. It made me feel good to be outside. It made me feel connected. Then this winter, I started to feel depressed. I was depressed about the state of the world, depressed about climate change, and felt really guilty that I was part of this human race that was destroying the earth. So I emailed David and asked if I could come talk to him. I figured he might be able to help. We got together twice, once at the conservatory full of trees and kids and running water, and then met again outside to spend some time leaning against some trees. This is what we talked about. I'm Kelsey, and you're listening to Strange Transmissions. David Nelson and I also go by the moniker Earth Mentor and Earth Mentor um, came from at, at that time my 13 year old daughter when I when I said how do I describe what I do and she went oh dad you're an Earth Mentor which is a term I've never heard of and still have not heard of but fit because really my main focus my main goal is to encourage people to get back into nature um, to allow the earth to actually mentor them in proper energy exchange, which, which we just did an example of, to mentor them back into their own essential nature. All right. So this is something in our fast-paced world and our um, computers and phones and mentally demanding um, life we lead that we've really lost our grounding, lost our connection, lost touch with with nature and really see nature as something to be avoided or managed versus something that is um, us also and essential to, to our happiness and health mm-hmm. and peace. So. so how did you start doing this? Mm, okay, so I started out life, um, I, I guess I always viewed things a little differently but I also believe that the way to get ahead was to go to college and work hard and 
find something to make money at. And, and I did that very successfully. I was a banker for 20 years, a very successful banker. Um, actually managing money for a living. So money I viewed as um, something that created safety and power and gave us what we want. And certainly we do need a certain level of money, um, but it provides less safety and happiness um, than we believe and actually it can cause uh, some great miseries too as our attachment to it as, as, as we really we really have no control over things that occur in our lives at times and also ultimately money's not something we can take with us so so as I uh, I guess in my 30s I started to wake up they would say became more interested in the spiritual path started reading some books like conversations with God and earlier than that I read the Celestine prophecies and Marianne Williams's return to love all those books sort of spoke to me in a way that traditional religion didn't and I grew up in a Presbyterian family and even at a young age I remember thinking that this doesn't make any sense and so as I read these other books and I and I think that's important to, to have some of the intellectual support for those of us who have a strong mental construct to, to have some of this exploration and the asking of questions and the other people's thoughts um, but ultimately the path is to find our own answers and to explore that further so as I went through, um, mine was a very mystical path, very eclectic path, uh, that included while I was a banker still taking Reiki lessons from Catholic nuns at a Catholic university and, and uh, doing a Sufi weekend in uh, Blue Hill Mountains and exploring really the, the path of the heart through a lot of different ways, including doing pretty extensive shadow work with uh, Debbie Ford out of California. And so as that occurred, at the same time I was a successful banker and I had the white picket fence and the Mercedes and the country club membership. So I had all the things that life said, you know, you're supposed to get and you'll make you happy. But I still found this questioning, this level of discontent to, to be bubbling up in me. So as I, as I followed this, it led to more and more of my heart opening. And what I realized is, my heart had a wisdom and an insight that was, at that time, very different than my head, right? And so what I learned to do is I learned to trust my heart and learn to listen to my heart. And one of the things my heart said at some point on the path was it's time to leave banking. Now my head and pretty much everybody else in my reality at the time said, you're crazy, you worked 20 years to get here, you're at the top of your career, how could you walk away from this? But, um, I knew my heart was right. I didn't know why, and I didn't know where it was going to lead. But one of the last things that I'd, I'd been working on in training was to do um, earthwork with, with someone who had found that had saved his life. And so I'd gone through a two-year internship, and that was part of this transition period of learning how to connect to the earth in a way, almost in a scientific way. And now science is starting to back a lot of the benefits energetically of connecting to the earth because our measurements are getting to the point where we can pick up subtle vibrations and shifts in the body. And that was really his expertise, so I really realized, ah, this is what I love. I've always, as a child, I always loved nature. Nature's where I went for peace and to uh, have fun and to feel joy. And so as this intellectual, successful, material banker, I was being drawn back to my roots, to the core of, of nature. And that led me to following my heart and actually retiring
So at the time, I just allowed myself for the whole next year after I left banking, I spent the whole next year here in Minnesota on the earth every day for an hour at least. So 20 below, I was in a tent with a parka and sleeping bag around me and 100 degrees as laying in shorts and you know, under a tree in the shade. But every day I laid on the earth. And what I found is by, by taking the time to reconnect to the earth, there was a healing that went on within me on multiple levels, and there was also a wisdom that was imparted to me. It was just um, inherent in nature. But it, we have to take the time to slow down, to listen, and to hear it, and to really appreciate it. And it helps to have a guide originally. So, you know, as, as you've been on one of my walks before, it helps to sort of sense and see things from somebody who's like, um, oh, I, you know, pay attention to this. People have this experience like, you know, back to, to being kids again, and they want to play and go slow and explore and laugh and dance, and um, they, they feel free and happy. And, and so it's, for something so simple, it's amazing the power of connecting with nature consciously and having a guide to connect you, and then doing it as a group. So when I do retreats, I also do retreats around here and other places. Um, when I do retreats, we really spend quite a bit of time together in nature. And there's the energy of the group that starts to, to become coherent, right? In sympathy, in harmony with the earth energy and the universal energy. It becomes quite beautiful because what people realize is, this is me. You're me, you know, this tree is me, the earth is me, the sun is me. I'm all of this and I'm, I'm connected to all of this. And when they start to get that, then that causes you to act differently. It's very hard to um, hate someone or try to hurt someone. Or it just it just is counter to. This is a beautiful tree, of course. Um, this is the mother tree. This is the tree that sort of um, looks over, protects, and science is starting to find that trees actually interact when they're in groups. So this, to me, is the tree that sort of watches over and supports the other trees in this area. And it has a huge root ball. So your feet are literally on the roots instead of on the earth. And I want you to imagine that your feet are becoming the roots. So I want you to just play with this and think of your feet expanding to the size of these roots and that your roots are going left and right and down and back just like the trees so that you can start to feel that you are indeed the tree also and then visualize or imagine or maybe you'll even feel something that the vibration of the earth, this beautiful light, this beautiful warmth, this beautiful energy is starting to come through the roots, your roots, the tree roots, and into your legs. You feel it start to move up to the back of your torso, back in the tailbone area. And just imagine that that area is opening into the tree. So you can let that open, the bottom of your torso open the lower part of your back open into the tree. Just imagine that you're letting go of anything that no longer serves you. So anything that 
Um, any blockages just dissolve. Anything that you are ready to let go of, just think of it as light or mist. So there's no um, working at this. It just automatically anything that you're willing to let go of dissolves. And then just allow yourself to go a little higher up your spine, up your back. Maybe the second chakra for those people who understand what that is. Imagine that point going into the tree so your chakras open up. to realize is that there's various bandwidths there's you know think of radio stations so there's a jazz station and there's a rock station and there's a rap station and so there's all these various stations out there and that's what station you tune into is the one you hear and what I've come to realize is that we're there's a lot of different vibrational information available to us and with practice we can tune in to those various stations so probably for years I talked to trees, for years I'd like, hello trees, and you know, it, and it felt good to talk to them. But it wasn't until years later that I started to get to the point where I could listen to them and knew I could even be open to that. When I started to listen to trees, then what I found is there was actually a consciousness and information that was available. However that's moving through it, however it's coming, the technical parts are less important. The more is the experience you have. And so with people who are open to it and ready for it, I've, I've taught many people how to listen to nature. You can listen to plants or rocks. And then trees, I, th I find, have just beautiful wisdom. And by listening to trees, um, there's information. You can have a conversation that will be enlightening for you and, and beneficial for both parties. So it's not something often shared or talked about, but all the shaman used to do it. The indigenous people naturally had a relationship with everything. So they'd thank a plant before they took its fruit. They thanked the deer for giving its life to feed them. But they understood that there was this connection and relationship and that you could have a conversation. And, and so just even the pure um, idea of having a conversation just opens up the mind and the heart to wisdom coming in whatever form it does. So um, I headed down to New Zealand and New Zealand was one of the more magical places I've ever been. I got off the plane and immediately my heart opened. So for me New Zealand was heart. Just oh, beautiful. So and I walked into the woods within a couple days and I said hi trees and they said hi David. And I was sort of shocked. I'm like, how do you know my name? And they said, us trees, we're all connected. It's like we have this neural net of trees all around the world, even if it's a little island out in the middle of nowhere in the southern hemisphere, right? But there's this wisdom, this connection, this, this um, 
important awareness that's available to us. So the trees in New Zealand already knew me. They said, yeah, the trees up up in Minnesota already told us about us. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, come hang out with us. You know, and it was sort of like, you know, it was, it was beautiful, right? So um, I, I won't go further with what the lessons in that could be, but because that's up to people to sort of decide for themselves. But I just found it incredibly beautiful that nature is so connected and that there's a wisdom and information exchange that occurs. And I think that's what we have to remember, rediscover. Obviously in the way the world is now where people are feeling concerned and fearful about the direction of, of where we're going as people, um, our impact on the earth and where the earth is suffering and in pain and we're, we're seeing um, you know, a lot of people aware of this, but I'm, my, my concern is they're finding it sort of a depressing experience, right? It makes them sad and, oh, I'm gonna give up hope. And I think what they'll realize is that just tending, spending time with their own tree in their own yard or on their boulevard or the park down the street, just by spending time on that, not only will they be replenishing themselves, but they'll actually be doing healing on the earth. And they don't necessarily have to go out and do a protest in some other area or find some pristine land somewhere and, and think that that's the only thing that's right. Nature, nature is whatever nature is. And so when we allow nature to move as it wants and as we connect with our nature to it, then it gives us the wisdom and the answers we need. And, and when we do that, then, then hope occurs. One of the great examples that most people get is we've disconnected ourselves from everything and so what we've done is we've become more um, rigid in our bodies, we've become more contained. You'll see a lot of the slumped shoulders, the neck forward, and of course sitting at chairs, sitting in front of the computer, um, all those are really sort of physically um, inhibiting uh, actions to take anyway. So we've become very disconnected from this natural exchange that is meant to occur between us and the earth. And our bodies are all earth. I mean, there's no part of our body that is not earth. Or what I would call the soul is the fire or igniter of, of our consciousness within this body. But this body is just earth. So us to, to think that we're disconnected from the earth and not part of the earth is, is of course a fallacy. Now, what I've discovered working with the trees and working with the earth, and really, as we're noticing here, is there's an exchange of energy that occurs that actually is beneficial to both. And the one that most people get immediately when I put it out to them is the whole idea of breath. So we are breathing like we are in this oxygen-infused environment now. We're breathing in oxygen. Oxygen is very good for us. Oxygen is actually simplistically a waste energy for the tree. Right? It's like what the byproduct of photosynthesis and everything else is doing releases oxygen. We breathe in the tree's waste energy or what it no longer needs. We cannot live without it. Right? So we breathe that in and what are we releasing back out into the air again? Right? So we're carbon dioxide. Right? The things the plants need, there's this natural energetic exchange that occurs. And that's why, of course, we need to be thoughtful and careful about wiping out huge parts of the Amazon, which is the lungs of the earth, and other things. We have to be conscious that, um, and, and any environmental change going on in the world. 
right? So as we decrease the amount of life force or energy being released by the plants, it's going to have a detrimental effect on us. And not only is water going to become potentially a rare commodity, clean water, but also clean air. So those are big points. Trees are fabulous at filtering water, right? Plants are fabulous at filtering water. Uh, the swamps, which we drained a lot of them, are great at filtering stagnant water, diseased water comes through and it comes clean again. So there's this natural process of exchange that, that you know, as we release what no longer serves us in a healthy way and not in an overwhelming way, right? like, like uh, coal-fired plants or something along those lines, right, which is excessive. But just in the natural living process, as we release what no longer serves us, it feeds the world around us, including the plants. And the plants then feed us, literally and figuratively, or energetically. Right? So it's this beautiful process that we take for granted, that we're um, not even aware of anymore. Right? We, we become ignorant of it. I, I mean, we had some kids walk by here. I imagine if we asked most of those kids what are trees for and things, they, they've probably not been taught this natural exchange. Now, if when we lived on the earth directly and that's where we got our food every day and water every day and, and everything else, we knew that. But we, we've forgotten. And then we've been told that buying physical things and creating physical structures and having our own little vehicle and being disconnected from nature is actually easier and safer and better. And it's, that's not, not true. So I mentioned laying on the earth for a year after I retired as a banker. So one of the things that happened there is um, my mother was my mother, right? And she had her strengths and she had her weaknesses. Unconditional love was not one of her strengths. But as a little boy, of course, that's what I wanted. I wanted my mommy to love me and whatever else. And so as I laid on Mother Earth, right, we have this term for a reason, as I laid there, but didn't try to work it, didn't try to do anything, didn't, didn't even explore this. But as I laid there longer and longer, I could just feel the love of the Earth and I felt held by Mother while I was laying on the Earth. And over time, it took weeks and maybe even months, but there would be release of deep emotions that were almost in my tissue that thoughts that were in my mind that were, um, you know, about little David, like the, the little boy of me who wanted this love. And so I finally learned to trust this deep, feminine, motherly, unconditional love. And when it came in, I would just weep. And sometimes 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, I don't know, but just weep with no thoughts. It was just this release of accumulated grief, which I think we all have a lot of right now, right? And this um, release of anger and hurt and you know worthiness and all these things and it just was a natural um, healing that occurred and it healed and it occurred just from me opening to that love right and allowing my body to relax enough and open enough letting my mind get calm enough that I had these beautiful healing sessions with the earth that I, I don't think I could have gotten any place else I think if I'd expected a person to do that for me then there was all sorts of issues that would be created around that Right? So it's this beautiful returning to my nature and understanding my true nature and the essence of nature, which is this unconditional love. It's always there, always present. Heart chakra, so between the shoulder blades, 
going back in the tree. Sometimes this is a time where I might do some forgiveness work or ho'oponopono, which is, you know, I am sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. You say that both for people that you are sorry for and also people that may um, have done you wrong in some way as you perceive it. So you claim all of that and can use that phrase, I am sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you, over and over to let your heart chakra open. We carry a lot of woundings and pain and fear and sense of vulnerability here and so the tree and the earth really help you open to the love of the earth and let you open your heart which is really important I believe it's the focal point or the connection point for the soul so pretty important and then imagine the top of your head your seventh chakra is wide open and allow that to go as tall as the tree so you're just letting it go right up the trunk of the tree and you can feel the trunk of the tree becoming one with you your roots are its roots. Your trunk, same name, is your is your trunk. Um, your limbs are the tree limbs. Your crown is the tree crown. So let yourself get as big and as spacious as the tree. And allow yourself to really open to this um, experience. So this is a time where you do some deep, gentle breaths. Maybe in through the nose, out through the nose. Occasionally I might breathe in through based and so we like to dissect things so we want to understand what it is and by doing that we usually cut it apart and we label it we give it our names for things and so a lot of times we'll get caught up on the intellectual aspect of nature instead of really just allowing nature to be as it is right and there was a great poet I can't remember who it is now who said you know when we label things we we kill things, right? Because we no longer allow the, the huge expansion of nature of what it is to be. We instead are trying to have it fit into a box or um, look a certain way. And we dis and by doing that intellectually, a lot of times we disconnect it from everything else around it. So I just read a great book called Gathering Moss. I recommend you read it. Fabulous author. Um, and what she talks about is how moss is directly integrated. And I think on our walk, we even came across some moss, one of my favorite things. And so she, it's a beautiful book because she's a scientist and yet she was really also writing from spirit and heart. She has indigenous blood in her, so she really came back to using the wisdom of things. And she said, and what she said was really interesting is that, in effect, um, she knows all the scientific names, but she would, in, a, in effect, also go by sort of the names the plants would give themselves. And I think that's a safer, more respectful way than saying, oh, you're this one person one time decided this is what this is so um, I really encourage people not to try to figure out what the trees are or what this is or what that is but instead just appreciate the ex full experience of it on all different levels and just to see it and sense it and smell it and let it come into you versus reaching out and oh I'm going to pull this apart and I'm going to label this and this is this and this is good because what we also do right is this is good this is bad 
right? So um, it's great what we see in yards, of course, is dandelions are considered bad, they're weeds. But that's our construct, right? That's not the construct of nature. Dandelions are what dandelions are. And actually, I find they have great beauty. Anyway, so in the summers, I always lay on the, on the lawn. And I used to have a house, and next to me was a guy who was always mowing his lawn, right? And so I go lay out on the earth. And they got, and by the way, this leaning against trees, laying on the earth, all this stuff, sitting against a tree, people get used to it after a while. And if they ask and say, I'm meditating, or this feels good on my back, or whatever, you know, dare to be weird. Because what you're doing is actually giving, empowering other people to, to be weird also. And I've had, like I mentioned, people in my own neighborhood now are starting to lean against trees because they saw me doing it, right? So demonstrating this behavior. So I'd lay on the earth, and then sometimes he'd come out and get his mower out right after I laid on the earth, and I'd be like, what's he, what's he, he, he could see me out here, what's he thinking, you know, and the judgment, and of course, how did I feel? I felt terrible, right? And then I was like, no, this is just, maybe this is the only time he had, or this is when he needed to do it, or whatever else. And, and so I surrendered into that, relaxed into that, and then what the mower became was just another sound in nature sound of a waterfall or the sound of a bird or whatever so it just became peaceful and rhythmic and so I didn't fight it I just stayed in nature I didn't leave sometimes I'd leave if I couldn't get back to a peaceful state taking care of myself right but more often it was an opportunity to just surrender into that and that sound and allow that to be also right and then with that came beautiful powerful deep experiences right that I could have lost if I'd been oh, Right? Let the mind go. The mind, the mind can be our friend, but more often the way we've trained our minds and society trains us, it's our enemies. So really a lot of our thoughts are not productive or helpful. So the more we can sort of get out of our mind and get into our bodies, get into our heart, so that deeper resonance can come back. more detail, but I find trees to be great teachers and great healers and the beauty of nature is it's everywhere including today we're sitting at the conservatory surrounded by green plants and moisture in the air and a high level of oxygen flowers other things so it's just very healing to even be in this environment and this is available even in the middle of winter in minnesota right but even working with the trees in the middle of winter is still is still beautiful so it's available everywhere and it's free and there's no downsides. There's no, there, there's no, tw uh, you know, 12 inches of warning labels that, you know, I, I guess other than maybe it becomes addictive because you want to be in nature all the time or you might get too happy. I guess those would be the warning labels. But there's no side effects of being in nature other than really returning you to that essence that is key that we need as humans having this experience in this beautiful world. sunlight and earth right so feel the earth coming into you and replenishing your soul suit of earth and also feel the light 
from above coming through this tree and into you. And we need that light also. We need the vitamin D. We need the effect of that. And just feel the tree loving you. And this is a great time for you to love the tree too. To say thank you to Mother Earth. Thank you to the tree. Thank you to the universe. Thank you for life. Thank you for this process. And open to whatever's in your highest good now. So it might be new healing, new inspiration, new level of powers or abilities. It might be a new level of gratitude. Whatever that is for you. This summer, David has offered to take strange transmissions on a barefoot hike and invite anyone who wants to join. So sign up for our email list at strangetransmissions.com and we'll let you know when it's happening so you can come walk in the mud and talk with some trees. This is Kelsey. I'm hanging out with the trees in the courtyard behind my apartment, and we just wanted to take a moment to dedicate this episode of Strange Transmissions to everyone around the world who's working really hard right now to protect the forests, protect the trees, to protect national lands, sacred spaces, clean water. There's a lot of people who really care right now and are working really hard for all of us, and we appreciate that. Also, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.